Welcome. This is Breakfast with Karen, and it's sponsored by Life Changing Services and Mothers Who Know and Mom Power. Between each eight week Mom Power training that we have, we have this three week webinar series with a message of hope to share with you, sisters. And we're hoping that it will bring you more joy and peace in your life. We have special guests usually. But if we can support you in any way or you have any questions or want to know more information about anything that's in our webinar, you can email us at support at mompowertraining.com. I want to make sure that you have a personal invitation to our eight-week mom power training. Um, it starts on August 27th. And if you have a loved one in life-changing services programs, then we invite you to come at no cost. If you come from outside of life-changing services, you don't have someone participating in one of our programs, then there's a nominal fee, but we can also um, extend a scholarship. We just want to make sure that everybody gets this information that we love and that's been so valuable to so many women. And also, we just want to make sure too that you understand that these classes are kind of inspiration led and so even if you've taken it before it's okay to take it again because it will likely be kind of different than it was the last time so you're welcome to take it as many times as you'd like all right so mom power training increases your peace and your spiritual routines uh, it helps us to just have a little system that we can consider using that helps us to stay awake and stay in the spirit it builds stronger bonds in family relationship increases our ability to center our lives on christ and fortifies our divine identity and purpose because it is so tricky in our day to have the courage to truly stand in our purpose as women as mothers and be those sisters that our prophet president nelson has invited us to be and called us to be in these last several months. It's been so wonderful to hear just his perception of us and who we are. It empowers you to recognize and defeat the tactics of the adversary and to understand um, just how personal those things are and how we can stay more empowered with the strength of our Savior through his atonement when we also understand the opposition that we face and how personal that is with the adversary and what we can do about it. So I just invite you to stand with peace and courage with me and so many other sisters in any storm because really the goal is none of our storms are just going to go away or be over and we can't wait to feel better till they are over. Uh, we still need to be inspired and we have so much to do and we want to not be feeling like we're just buried in a storm. So I hope that you'll come and participate with us in our eight-week mom power training. So today's topic is be the hero in your own life. And our guest today is Kelly Webster. And before I turn the time over to her, I just want to introduce her. I have known Kelly for oh, about 22 years. She and I are neighbors. And she's been a very strong influence in my life and in the life of my family. And the reason I ask her to come and present 
this topic of be the hero in your own life is because as mothers you know, uh, one of the things I love to consider is that there's just not one mother who knows. All of us are mothers who know, and we are given inspiration and led in our lives in so many ways. And I was unable to attend uh, our team mom power group a couple, three weeks ago, I guess. And I invited Kelly to come and share a message because I couldn't be there. And when I listened to the recording of her message, I felt so strongly that what she shared was so important for everybody to hear. And I invited her to just follow the spirit today and not give it exactly, but just the message itself is so vital for all of us to hear. And it was so good. And she's a great teacher and always has been anytime I've heard her teach. So I'm just so excited for you to hear from her today. But one of the things that I want you to know that I appreciate about Kelly as my friend and as a fellow warrior disciple of Jesus Christ is the opportunity that she's given me to notice and share just a little bit from the sidelines of the strength that she has and that she has accessed because she's chosen to take the situations in her life and feel a certain way about them and respond to them in a certain way that brings her a lot more joy and peace when the situations, as I look at them, uh, truly she is a woman, if I were to say, name the top five women in your life that you think really have a really heavy load to carry, she would be in that handful of five uh, because she just really, every time I talk to her, we have these big long spaces between talking and, and I say, so how's it going, Kelly? Cause she goes between living in Arizona and Utah and I don't get to see her often. And now we're in different wards. And every time I think some miraculous thing is going to come up and she's going to be doing so much better. And then she shares another thing that has fallen on her plate that now she's dealing with, with her family and the things. And I just have been so inspired. And my courage in my own life has been increased because of her example. And so I'm excited for you to meet her, for her to share her message today. Oh, well, thank you. I, um, boy, start out already crying. Boy, that doesn't bode well for me because I, I am a crier. I'm really excited about this opportunity to share some things that have really blessed my life and hope that some of the things that I talk about and teach you will bless your life. Um, like Karen said a few weeks back, I, I talked to my group about perspective. And one of the things I talked about um, was Wendy Watson Nelson's um, book, entitled change your questions change your life and see i'm already going to start crying again that book really did help me through a major crisis that i had um in november of 2018 so it hasn't been a year our um tsp account which is like an ria account our retirement money was um stolen through identity theft and it 
it threw me for a major loop um, spiritually. I, I felt like I was absolutely in a tailspin because I have gone through so many things in the last 58 years. I'm almost 58. I'll be 58 in September. So, um, but this one really threw me for a loop. I, I, I could not even fathom that the Lord would ask me to go through this too. And, um, I was led to, to just read her book and help change my perspective. And so I shared those things in that class. And of course, one of the things that she talked about was um, not seeing yourself as the victim, but seeing yourself as the hero. So that's what we're going to talk about. Pretty much, we're going to talk about how I went through and started asking myself questions and how I could come through that storm because of that change in perspective. So I'm going to start by sharing a screen here. Right, so zero to hero. Whoa, how to rule, uh, move from the role of victim to survivor to hero. So as Karen shared with you earlier in my life, I've had a lot of adversity. And um, I have to confess that I saw myself as a victim a lot. And so I was intrigued by Sister um, Nelson's words of um, what would happen if you could see yourself as the hero instead of the victim. So as you, as you look at this picture, and those of you on the podcast, I will just tell you this is a picture that you can Google on, you know, images and, and just ask. And as soon as we talk about it, then you'll know which one to, to Google. But um, I'm not going to leave this up for very long. I just want you to take a look at that and just the first thing that you see. What is it that you see? Well, um, <laughs> throughout my life, I saw a very um, worn out, tired old woman. <laughs> I'm not very old. And, and I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm, sometimes you feel like you're a hundred years old and, and walking with a cane when, when you're going through adversity. But um, I never, ever, um, until I read her book, could see myself as anything um, but this haggard old lady and as a victim of all the things that have happened in my life. And even though I tried super hard to do everything that was right, I, ke I kept becoming a victim. And um, it, like I said, when, when we had our TSP stolen last year, it, it just about did, did me in. And um, anyway, as, as I started reflecting upon the things that she had to say, um, I, I had some major changes come up, and um, I want you to notice that right here, we see this old lady with the pointed chin and her droopy eyelids, and, you know, she's, she's kind of not very uh, cute, and she's definitely not very happy, but if you look again, and you look a little deeper, you see this beautiful woman with the long eyelashes and the delicate features and delicate ear, not an eye. Um, 
and she's a beautiful woman and she's got a lot to give and and it's the same picture and so when we can do this self-reflection that um sister nelson asks us to do we're able to come through seeing things much differently and we can go from the ugly hag to the beautiful woman and it didn't take very long for that to happen for me um and i'm super grateful um for the things that i was able to seize karen i would like to ask you to please read victim what a victim is no problem no problem victims those who are downtrodden and are always under the influence of someone or some problem or force one can be a victim even of time and busyness yeah so in my life i know i spent a lot of time telling people my sob stories <laughs> and so i was always feeling downtrodden i mean i felt like i was always feeling like that um and that I, I was always under some problem. There was always a problem in my life. And um, I didn't want to be like that anymore. I really, really was like, I am done. I am done being Eeyore. I want to be Tigger. That is who I want to be. So I um, just making that decision, just making that decision that I am no longer going to be a victim helped me move right into the next phase which is being a survivor. And Karen, can you please read what that says? Sure. Survivors, those who seek constantly to find a way just to stay afloat amid unending difficulties, challenges, and disasters. Okay, I could actually see, all right, I've been able to get through things. I, I'm, I'm swimming here, I'm treading, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm holding my own. So I, I was able to get from, okay, I'm not the victim anymore. I'm going to be a survivor. And Aaron, can you, can you read yeah. it for me? Heroes, those who have discovered the strength, skills, and understanding to enjoy a rich, full life, despite horrific problems they never thought they would be battling and that would defeat a lesser person. A hero is also keen to help others by sharing what they have discovered. Thank you. Okay, so as I sat there um, thinking to myself, okay, okay, I'm, I'm a survivor, but I want to move into that role of hero. I want to be a hero to my grandchildren. I even think that maybe if I could take on that role, that maybe even my kids might see me in a different light, might see who, who I really am and not just um, the weakness that I seem to portray all the time with them. So I took on um, my own set of questions. And so I asked myself, all right, so if I'm supposed to be a hero, uh, what does a hero look like? So I thought about the things that I associate with being a hero. And the first thing that I thought about was, well, heroes have to overcome super huge obstacles. 
So I thought of the heroes in my life, and these are my sisters. I actually have another sister who wasn't able to go on the cruise with us. But um, these, are, these are my sisters, and um, for 31 years now, we every year go on a sister's retreat, and we connect with each other, and we just ourselves we don't let our mom come because then we can't just be ourselves because then we have to worry about um mom becoming a mom and we don't <laughs> we just want to not have to worry about embarrassing her or what did i raise i you know we just wanted to be who we are anyway so we went on this cruise last year for our 30 year um anniversary of sisters retreat but um i just want to tell you um some things about my heroes in my life, my sisters. Um, last April of 2018, this sister right here, let me see, can you see that picture right here? Um, she had her second daughter, her um, husband and her five month old, um, I mean, sorry, six-week-old baby uh, were killed in a car accident. They have five children, and so four of them survived the accident but were in the intensive care unit for over three months. And um, they were told that none of these children would ever be the same, that all of them had brain damage, and that some of them, um, if they lived at all, would um, probably never talk or walk again and um anyway through miracles that happened these children have all come out of the intensive care unit and are all back in school and functioning really well but the the things that she's had to deal with just with that recent thing she's also had children who were victims of um ritual abuse by her father-in-law and also had a baby die at the age of six weeks from six. And through all of her adversity, she stayed faithful and true. Um, this sister has had um, a daughter die at the age of 18 in a motorcycle accident. Her um, <clears throat> son has been in prison and um, both of her living children have fallen away from the church and are no longer in the church. This sister um, found out 10 years ago that her husband had same-sex attraction, had AIDS, and was addicted to methamphetamine. And she has had the courage to actually stay in the marriage and um, has helped her husband to come to a point where he is getting to be um, ready to get rebaptized and get simple blessings back. This is me. I have had um, my husband at the age of 49 had a massive stroke where he la uh, literally lost half of his brain. And um, anyway, uh, I've had my share. There's other things that happened since then, but we won't go into that. The sister's husband was addicted to pornography, and she had the courage to uh, leave the marriage um, and help her husband to hit the rock bottom that it took in order for him to 
get the help and seek the help that he needed. But it took that courage of leaving the marriage in order for that to happen. This sister, she has uh, severe anxiety and has um, been able to face that fear, even though when she has those anxiety attacks, she feels like she's having a heart attack. But she is her stakes just serve specialist and she goes out into the community and she's the one that has to talk with people and ask them if they would like to put their um, projects on the website and, and it takes a great amount of courage and she's she's been able to do that so all of these heroes in my life have been able to overcome and um, deal with the obstacles that have come their way and they've been a great example to me so when I was thinking about um, that heroes have to overcome obstacles. Sorry, I'm going to cry about this. I thought about all of them, and then I thought about me, and I thought, you know what? I have had to overcome obstacles, and I've done it, and I've been able to do it. And so just a little bit of that um, experience and that reflection helped me to see that maybe there's a part of me that can feel like, you know what? I am a hero. I am a hero. Okay, one of the other things that I thought about was I associate heroes with uh, always having their armor. I took my granddaughter to the movie um, Avengers End of the World or something like that. I, I'm not an Avenger fan. I'm not one of those, but I am a granddaughter fan, and um, I let her choose the movie we go see, and she's a big fan. But I noticed something about all these Avengers. They all have... Uh, suit of armor they all have something that they have on to protect themselves i'll have something and um i thought about that and i thought about the armor that um that the lord tells us to put on um and i thought about what i do every day um part of part of uh, life-changing services um the eternal wars program i took with karen right in the beginning and so for the past seven years I put on my armor every day, and I do that through my power goals, my praying, my reading, my writing, um, and by doing the things that I know will help bring the Spirit into my life, that I have a ritual, I would, I don't know, it's a habit, maybe, however you want to say it. I do not leave my bedroom. I don't leave my bedroom until I have done those PWRs before I've prayed, before I've written, and, bef and um, before I've read my scriptures. Those are things that I do every single day, and I do not go out of my room or out and do anything else until those things are, are done. I can testify that life is so easy to get distracted in that if I don't make it my priority, if I don't put this first, um, I have struggles, big time struggles. But when I do put those first, I'm able to keep those struggles in perspective and at bay and things won't get big in my life anymore um, because of this tool, this one thing of putting on my armor and it's not as big and heavy as Iron Man's <laughs> armor, but it's a hundred times more effective. And I just am so grateful for that tool. 
by recognizing in myself that I do do that. I do put on my armor. I was able to feel the spirit witness to me that this is the thing. This is the attribute that heroes have and that I can think of myself as a hero in that respect. Um, things I also associate with um, someone being a hero is that they're always serving others. Um, that's what heroes do. They run into burning buildings to save people. My dad was a fireman. He was a hero. Um, they put other people first. And one of the things that, that has had to happen since my husband's stroke is that I've had to do a lot of um, paring down in what I can do for other people. And so that was a real big way that the adversary messes with me and um, because I I haven't been able to go out and serve and do as much as I did before because I'm home serving him and so for a long time I really struggled with feeling like the victim that I had to give up my life because I had to serve him and that was really a struggle that I've gone through. But as I did this reflecting, I um, remembered some quotes that, um, that my sister, like I said, she's, she's the just surf specialist and she had me help her. And so I'm going to do this with you um, because before I did this reflecting, this is how I felt. I felt like I am barely moving forward myself in all the stuff that I have to do, and there's no way that I can carry one more thing on my back. So I loved this picture. And um, anyway, I want to read you these quotes, and so this is a little activity we're going to do. And I, hopefully you can pick out um, in, in these quotes these benefits that, that we're hearing from the brethren that come from serving other people. So we'll start with this one. When we are acting as instruments in behalf of others, we are more easily inspired than when we think of only ourselves. In the process of helping others, the Lord can piggyback benefits for our own benefit. So I loved that thought that when I can get out of myself and out of my pity party <laughs> that I'm in, that um, I can get more inspiration. Okay, this is by Elder Ronald A. Rasband. When we continue to learn the important value of being aware of and interested in the lives of those around us, learning not only the importance of giving uh, help, but also the overwhelming joy that comes from helping others. Uh, who doesn't want joy? And I want it to be overwhelming. So that helped me with that perspective. This is from President Kimball. I have learned that it is by serving that we learn how to serve. When we are engaged in the service of our fellow man, not only do our deeds assist them, but we put our own problems in a fresher perspective. When we concern ourselves more with others, there is less time to be concerned with ourselves. In the midst of the miracle of serving, there is the promise of Jesus that by losing ourselves, we find ourselves. And I just want to bear testimony to you that that's what happened with me because I, as I went through this reflection, I started deciding that uh, I didn't have to just stay home and be Mike's caregiver. I could go out and I could do things to help 
um, I started having the missionaries over for dinner more often. I started taking people out to lunch. I started um, doing things that I had for years thought I couldn't do because I had to be home with Mike. And um, anyway, it's so blessed my life to get out of myself and start serving a little more. This is from Thomas S. Monson. God bless all who endeavor to be their brother's keeper, who give to ameliorate suffering, who strive with all that is good within them to make a better world. Have you noticed that such individuals have a brighter smile? Their footsteps are more certain. They have an aura about them of contentment and satisfaction. For one cannot participate in helping others without experience a rich blessing himself. And again, those are the things that started happening with me as I started to move forward in um, trying to find more opportunities to serve. I um, started feeling so much more contentment and so much more happiness in my life. And I felt like I'd lost 50 pounds off my shoulders just because of the feelings that came when I wasn't thinking about what we were going through with our money being stolen and Mike having another episode um, of things that happen because of this stroke and that are difficult for me to deal with all the time and that it it just was amazing and is amazing and then this this is from sister jean b bingham as you reach out to serve and lift your brothers and sisters within your neighborhood or throughout this world that is in so much commotion, you will feel greater peace and healing and even progress. And I love that because I needed peace, I needed healing, um, and, and I have felt that progress. So um, I look now on this and I say to myself, you know what, I can be a hero um, to the missionaries and feed them their favorite meal and anybody who knows me knows that I hate to cook it is not my favorite thing to do but I really get joy when they come and eat at my house and um, I can be the hero for them when it's their things that their moms aren't there to fix them anymore okay um, have you noticed that heroes always show up at the right time they're always in the right place and the right time so I uh, thought about that. So do I do that? Do I do that? And then I remembered an experience as I was reflecting upon that. Um, my son, Brett, um, had a dark time in his life and didn't get on his mission until he was um, 20 years old. And he was just getting ready to come back and I started being engulfed with fear, absolute fear of what was going to happen to him when he came home because I had and heard of so many missionaries that come home and they lose their way again. And I was so worried about that. And um, so I started seeking help. Heavenly Father, please give me peace or please give me direction or please just tell me what it is that I have to do to help this boy um, so that he can stay faithful. And um, I went to the temple. And as I was going through the veil, I heard a voice as clear as you can hear me speaking right now say to me, Kelly, these promises are real. And um, when I got home, I started reflecting upon 
the promises made um, about our posterity. And um, I came upon that quote from President Joseph Smith. So I'm going to read it. Um, this, this is uh, as Orson F. Whitney talked in a conference report in 1929. The prophet Joseph Smith declared, and he never taught a more comforting doctrine, and that was true for me, that the eternal ceilings of faithful parents and the divine promises made to them for valiant service in the cause of truth would save not only themselves, but likewise their posterity. Though some of the sheep may wander, the eye of the shepherd is upon them, and sooner or later they will feel the tentacles of divine providence reaching out after them and drawing them back to the fold. Either in this life or the life to come, they will return. They will have to pay their debt to justice. They will suffer for their sins and may tread a thorny path. But if it leads them at last, like the penitent prodigal, to a loving and forgiving father's heart and home, the painful experience will not have been in vain. Pray for your careless and disobedient children. Hold to them with your faith. Hope on, trust on, till you see the salvation of God. And um, so that was a second witness to me that um, those covenants are real. Those covenants are real. Those promises are real. And... Um, then the um, Holy Ghost whispered to me again and told me, my job is not to teach him anymore. My job's done that way. He's, he was taught, he was reared, he was given the gospel in his home. My job was to love him and keep my covenants. That was my job. And I'm so grateful for that experience because that has been written on my heart and when I want to go and interfere when I see choices that aren't exactly the choices that uh, I would want my kids to make I remember that my job is to love them and to keep my covenants and it's just funny because just this week I had another witness of that truth for me as I was watching um, a women's conference and it was Ted R. Callister and his wife and I can't even remember what his wife's name is but she's the one that gave the talk and it was on repentance and um, she quoted Neil, um, Neil Anderson from the October 2009 uh, general conference and this is what he had to say and she was talking about repentance but this was another witness to me of the truth that, that the covenants are real so he said, repentance not only changes us, but it also blesses our families and those we love with our righteous repentance. In other words, for me, it was you keep your covenants in the timetable of the Lord. The lengthened out arms of the Savior will not only encircle us, but will also extend into the lives of our children and posterity. And then I love this part. Repentance always means that there is a greater happiness ahead. And so, again, the Spirit was able to witness to me that my job is to keep my covenants. My job is to stay true and to um, repent daily. And I used to wonder what that meant when the, the brethren will say, I repent every day. I repent every day. And um, I used to 
take a sign language class and um, the sign for repentance is this. Now the sign for change is this. Um, repentance is turning, it's turning from this way to this way. We're, we're turning to the Savior, we're turning away from sinning, turning to the Savior. And so I, I used to think, what on earth do the brethren have to repent for? And when I um, was listening to another devotional, uh, BYU devotional, one of the brethren said, when we turn to the Savior by reading our scriptures, when we turn to Heavenly Father in prayer, when we turn um, our hearts to thinking about him during the day, we are repenting. And that rang so true to me that I am repenting every day. I am doing what the Lord has asked me to by turning to him every day. So because I'm doing that, I am in the right place at the right time to hear the Spirit so that I can get answered for the things I needed in my life. And that happened for me in regards to my son. He has made many decisions that I'm not happy with, but I am at total peace because I know that I'm keeping my covenants and because I'm keeping my covenants, I will have that opportunity in the millennium, no matter what he chooses to do in this life. And right now he's, he's doing so much better, but he's not always in that place. Um, but because I'm keeping my covenants, judgment day isn't until after the millennium. I have a thousand years where Satan will be bound and that he will not have the ability to influence my children or my grandchildren. But I will have that opportunity. But my job is to keep my covenants. And that brings so much peace for me. And, and I got that because I was in the right place in the right time for the Holy Ghost to be able to teach me. And so I can think of myself as a hero because I do I do that. Okay, this has been a life-changing um, thing for me. Heroes know who their enemy is and how to battle them. And um, this is a, a huge, um, huge life-changer for me. I um, was in the Eternal Warriors class, like I told you, about seven years ago with Karen in her home. She doesn't do that anymore. But I was one of the privileged few to be in that beautiful home with her. And um, we were talking about an experience that um, one of our sisters had, Sister Wynn, um, when she was reading about the Lamanite daughters who had been... Um, captured by um, the wicked priests of King Noah. And um, I had that aha moment because she shared her aha moment. Um, and we talked about the fact that the Lamanites went to war with the Nephites. The Nephites were innocent. They're not the ones that stole the daughters. Um, but they, in turn, fought back and were attacking the Lamanites and wondering um, what 
And who was the real culprit here? It wasn't the Lamanites, they were innocent. It wasn't the Nephites, they were innocent. Um, the real culprits were hiding in the background. Um, and we understood with perfect clarity that this is the same thing that happens with our enemy, our only enemy and that's Satan, and that as we um, have our relationships with our family and friends and coworkers, that when we start getting stirred up by our real enemy, when we can take a step back and we can see who the real enemy is and that it's not our friend, it's not our son, it's not our husband, it's Satan, and he's the one lurking in the background trying to get us to fight with each other. That has been a huge, huge help to me. Um, and I know who my enemy is, and I know how to battle him. And I can be a hero because I know that. And, and when I think about that, um, I just feel so blessed that I, I know um, through the Spirit that this has been a, a game changer for me and that I am a hero because I know how to battle the enemy. And this is how you battle the enemy. It's with love. Everything that um, Satan threw at the Savior, the Savior's answer was love. And I can do that too. And I can see that I am capable of loving. And so when I start feeling irritated or upset, I remind myself, this person is not my enemy. And the way to defeat my enemy is to have more love. And so I try to do that. And so I feel like, okay, I can be a hero. I can love. Okay, things I associate with being a hero, heroes are brave. And um, I don't always think I'm brave. Please know this is something that's not easy for me to be brave. But I saw a definition when I was going through this reflection. What is a hero? What does a hero do? What are attributes of hero? And this is something that I found on a website. Um, bravery is daring and impetuous courage like that of one who has the reward continually in view and displays his courage in daring acts. And um, when I thought about that, I thought, wow, I would never have uh, defined bravery with this definition. However, that's exactly what the Savior did. He looked to his seed, which are us, and it gave him strength and courage to go on with the atonement. He looked to the reward. He looked to see the blessing that would come from his sacrifice, and he was able to do the brave thing. And um, one of the things that I've done throughout my life has has been trying to see the good in things. I've tried so hard to keep eternal perspective when it comes to my husband because I'm married to a man who is nothing. 
absolutely nothing um, like the one I married uh, 30, how many years ago? Yeah, 31 years before his stroke. Um, he's not that man. He is so much different, but some things are better. And I keep reminding myself when I have heart days, uh, wow, you know what? This is going to be the most awesome day in the world when resurrection day happens. And I get to have both arms wrapped around me. My husband's paralyzed on his left side. And he can run up to me and he can lift me up and hold me in his arms. And I will be able to just know more than anyone else how awesome that blessing is. Someone else who gets a hug every day might not appreciate that visual that I have, but I keep that continually in my mind. I visualize him running to me, picking me up, holding me with both arms. Those are things that I have in the forefront. And because of the Savior Jesus Christ, I know that will happen. And so I can say I'm great because I do keep that continually in my view. A hero never gives up. And I read that quote to you already about um, the blessings that come from keeping our covenants. But I just want to reiterate the fact that we have hope. We don't have to give up on anyone or anything. My sister Teresa, whose husband has SSA and, and addicted to the math, never gives up. She never gives up hope. She knows. She knows that um, there is always hope because of the Savior, and I love her for that. Um, this is the last thing I want to talk about. Um, heroes save the day. And, you know, we have one hero, one who saves the day, and that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. But he asked us to help stand with him. And I was in a training, a wood badge training for scouts, when I heard the story behind the, the song, um, Brightly Beams, Our Father's Mercy. And um, the story is about a ship who comes to the harbor, the Connecticut, um, Chesapeake Bay Harbor, and um, the lower lights were out. They weren't shining, and the captain says, what will we do? And the man says, there's no hope um, if we can't see the lower lights. Um, we'll not make it. Um, and hundreds of people um, went to their watery grave because they crashed into the, to the rocky shore because the lower lights were out. And... Um, well, I was really intrigued with the story of the lower lights, and um, so I did some research to find out what are the purpose of the lower lights. And um, not all lighthouses have lower lights, but those who have narrow, rocky passages um, to get to the harbor, they all have lower lights. And in order for the 
captain of the ship to find the safe passage into the harbor, um, they have to align the upper light, which represents uh, Jesus Christ in um, the song, Brightly Beings, Our Father's Mercy, with the lower lights, which represent us in that song. And they steer the ship until the lower lights and the upper lights are like one light so that they can see only one light. So then they know that it's straight ahead, that the harbor is straight, and um, it's a narrow passage into that safe harbor. And I was blown away that that uh, meaning was so powerful to me, that the lower lights are in alignment have to be put in alignment with the Savior, um, being the, uh, the lighthouse, in order for those to find safe passage. And again, the Spirit was able to bear witness to me that as I live my life and live my covenants, I am not one of the rescue boats that goes out and tries and finds the people in a stormy sea and drag them back to the harbor. But I am the light that is aligned with my Savior, Jesus Christ, so that when they see the light, the big light, the Savior, they can see the lower light. And by my lower light, they are guided safely home. And that was such a powerful thing written on my heart that um, I can be a lower light and um, just share with you. Um, this is the, the words to the song. And, and Karen, will you please read that second verse, Dark the Night. Dark the night of sin has settled. Loud the angry billows roar. Eager eyes are watching, longing for the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning. Send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman. You may rescue. You may save. It's, it's a powerful verse, but I just want to say this. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman. You may rescue. You may save. You never know who's watching you. You never know who is seeing your light and who you're saving. I know that there are many people who have been lower lights for me. And I know that because they have shared their light, I've been able to come safely into the harbor and rest in the safety that's found there next to my light, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and this is a, a quote by Wendy Watson. And, oh, this is so, so, Karen, please read this one. I believe that if you were to see yourself, your true premortal self, for just 10 minutes and were to observe how you behaved, what you did, commitments you made, people you associated with, 
who your mentors and teachers were, the strength you demonstrated, who you, who you sustained, meaning Jesus Christ, I believe all of your present confusion, doubts, struggles, and problems would fall away. Now that's a powerful perspective. The power of the perspective of your premortal valiancy and commitments. Wendy Watson Nelson. In other words, you are a hero. And I hope that as I was going through some of my uh, visions of what a hero are or is, that you could see the hero in yourself and that you can have the same kind of experience that I had as the Spirit taught me and hopefully is teaching you that through the experiences you're having in your life and the things that you're dealing with that you are a hero you were born to be a hero you were reserved for this last day and that you will be the light that brings others safely home and i say this in the name of jesus christ amen amen kelly thank you so much one of the things that I thought was so powerful about what Kelly shared was her idea that when she changed her question of, you know, first she thought of what are all the things a hero does in my opinion? And then she started asking herself, have I ever done that? Is there evidence in my life that I that I exhibit this character trait of being a hero. And she could identify that, yeah, she does do things like that, which made her go from a perspective of that she was just feeling like, I'm not doing anything heroic. I'm being such a victim or just surviving through all of this difficulty in my life but I'm definitely not being a hero or becoming something or someone for myself or anybody else. And I love that when she required herself to consider what she really does and align that with a character trait of a hero that she could claim a different perspective. I don't, I thought that was very cool because I think she was saying, here's all the traits that you do because that's what makes you a hero. I think she was saying, we are all have characteristics of heroes in the situation in our lives. And if we'll look for them and identify that we have those traits rather than be blinded by the difficulties in our lives and unable to see that we are heroic in the things that we face, but it was just by changing her question about looking for what does a hero do and do I do those things, but also making a really strong decision. I do not want to be a victim in these things. I want to be the hero. And just Eeyore versus Tigger. I thought that was awesome. So anyway, you sisters, is there any takeaways that you had while we were, um, while Kelly was presenting that stood out to you, something maybe you took a note on, or even in your own life that you can 
share with us that goes along with her message? I thought of something. I thought sometimes when we have horrible things that happen in our lives, our, our mind thinks all of a sudden we are somehow the sum of our trials. And um, that's just not true. We are so much more than, than our trials. At least that's, I have had that experience where hard things happen and then all of a sudden it seems like you're under this cloud and all you are is your trials. <clears throat> and I think the hardest trials are people we love that we can't <laughs> control. Wouldn't we just love to control them? And um, something else that came to me was the uh, story of Enoch in Moses. It's a beautiful story. He starts out, uh, you know, God's teaching him about uh, the people and the earth, and and he's all worried about the earth, and he, he worries about the people too and all, and he's trying to figure out why God's crying and, and how can you weep? You're so great. And he says, because these, um, our brothers will suffer. He doesn't want us to suffer. He's provided a way out of that. And um, Enoch doesn't totally get it. Uh, and, and the story goes on and he keeps teaching him. Till in the end, he gets to see the whole world, all of his, all of his siblings, <laughs> calls them brothers, but it's, the family of God and, and all of the suffering and all the horribleness. And now he begins to weep, but God says something about um, rejoice or be happy mm -hmm. because the Lord has prepared things to help them. But it's interesting. God doesn't want us to suffer, but we choose things sometimes that make us suffer. Our kids choose things and we're doing what God does. He cries. And he sat for them. We, isn't that kind of part of the reason we don't want our kids to go off track? <laughs> We're like, it hurts us too. And we don't want them to hurt. And we know the way. And we say, go this way. And they go the other way. And it hurts us and them. But God prepares a way and he still wants us to be happy. He wants us to rejoice. Read chapter 7 in Moses. It's just, I love that chapter. Yeah. Oh, thank you, sisters, for sharing your takeaways. So appreciate appreciate that. Yeah, go for it. So I loved her analogy of the hero, you know, and thinking of like a superhero. So I have sons, so I want to, you know, relay that message. But as I was thinking about it, I think it's so interesting, like when um, a hero gets attacked by the bad guy and he gets injured does that make him the bad guy and it doesn't of course that's like preposterous right but that's exactly what satan would have us believe and he would also just have us give up and if the you know if the hero gave up every time he got injured how many lives would be lost um and so i just think it's so important that we help our children and those in our lives see that just because they've been attacked, just because they've been injured, doesn't make them the bad guy. That's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you for that. Excellent. You know, um, that helped me so much, as Kelly mentioned in her presentation, that um, 
she had noticed that it was easy in a difficult situation to see her loved one as the enemy and consider that her life got so hard. And so it, he was kind of like the enemy because now she couldn't have this, her life changed so much. And I think that happens whenever we have loved ones, children or husbands or, and sometimes our very selves, we can be our own worst enemy or have thoughts about ourselves that just feel like, why am I always such a loser? But um, it, it helped me so much along those lines of what you just said, sister was to say, because when my loved ones would, would lose battles to their value system and would do things that, you know, we talked about, yeah, I think they're going to get it now because we just had a really good talk about that. Right. And, and then, you know, that's not what happened again and again and again. What helped me so much was to really solidify in my mind once I could see the concept of there's only one enemy and that the adversary wants me to see whoever's causing me discomfort in my life as an enemy. And the last thing that the Savior would ever do is judge me or ridicule me or belittle me for making a mistake. And so the last thing I should do to someone who's trying to learn how to fight well is to shame them for getting wounded in a battle and to make them feel guilty for not being able to, to win all the time. And just that thought of what you said, of, you know, when you put it in a perspective of real life, and we picture our loved ones doing things that are, they're just trying to master and become better at uh, situations that, that are, they're finding this isn't serving me. It's hurting a lot of people and myself. And then they get in the situation of trying to do better. The worst thing that I could do, but so many times was enticed to do, was to get all upset and ask them why they did this and why didn't they do that? And how come we weren't, we, we weren't following the plan? Um, all those things that if they were a real warrior on a battlefield, the last thing I would do if they had fallen in battle was to yell at them, get mad at them. I would encourage them and tell them that they had, fought well and reminded them of how many times they'd won and that I believed in their ability to, to figure this out. And yeah, that helped me a ton. So the way I processed it in my mind, what is what Karen is saying to me, it's my test too. So whatever it is that my loved one is going through, it's their challenge, their test, but I am very much involved in my own test at the same time. And they may be doing something that I feel is horrible or not good, but I'm not being judged for what they're doing. I'm being judged for how I react to it. And am I going to do something that makes me feel like we're distancing ourselves from each other and distancing ourselves from the Savior? Or am I going to react in a way where I'm actually in, inviting them and, and loving them and bringing them closer to 
our savior. And, and that for me has been the biggest eye opener for me is that, you know, well, if this was better, or if this was better, or if this was better, our life would be different, but no, it's, it's okay. This is our life. <laughs> and what do I need to learn? So awesome. Yeah. Boy, I really appreciate you gals sharing. Anybody else? While you're thinking, I want to read just a little. This morning, I was listening again to um, Sister Joy Jones. She spoke at BYU Education Week, and the title of the message that she shared was called Look Unto Him in Every Thought. It is such a powerful uh, presentation that she does, and then I would encourage everybody to go check it out. But she says, obviously, we cannot completely control the events that come at us daily. But we can indeed control the worthwhileness of those events. We worship an omniscient God and know that all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good and to my name's glory, saith the Lord. Um, I think that that's one thing that is so special to recognize that um, just like Sister Nelson's quote that we read at the very end that Kelly shared, it was so cool to just consider if we could just see the real story behind who we are and what we've come here prepared to do and the kind of people we are or the people that we love are, that we might even consider whenever we're invited to go through something difficult in our life, or support someone in difficulty in our life, that it's actually one of the greatest gifts that we get. It's actually one of the special experiences or opportunities in our life. It's an invitation by our Savior, who we worship, who's an omniscient God, and He's telling us all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good. And to my name's glory, saith the Lord. And that the lower lights aligning with the upper lights, that the way that we handle the situations in our lives can be for his glory when we can align our just who we are, how we do it, the things we say and how we say them, the way we believe and the way we pray, the things that we hold on to and wait for, and that we're willing to see a perspective of eternity, not just right now and how painful this is and how much it hurts and how scared we are. So wonderful to consider that, really? That perspective is amazing to consider because we're such a, a veiled temporal existence here that it's hard to see that the things that God has orchestrated in our lives, even our very hardships, are for our good. Another thing she says in this is she, the theme was, look unto God in every thought, doubt not, fear not was the theme and I think heroes probably do that 
Julie, thank you. I just wanted to tell you one of my takeaways. I think my biggest takeaway today was just Kelly's wonderful reminder that um, sometimes we're in the fog, when we're in the fog, and she, she told about how when she was in there with her husband and was able to just get out and finally serve, and that was such a great way to get out of the fog. And so I just really needed that reminder today, and that's going to be my biggest takeaway today, Kelly. So thank you for just reminding us all that we can just get outside of ourselves and be the hero that way. That's so good. I don't know about the rest of you, but that was a really great one for me. Thanks, Julie. Well, I wanted you sisters to be aware uh, before we go again, just to thank you for coming and to, to invite you again next week. We'll, we're having our last of our three, our series of three webinars, and it is kind of a heightened awareness about how the way you approach your feelings and emotional intelligence in your life can affect how you feel about your life. And there are such important things that we can be aware of about our feelings because all day long from the minute we wake up till we go to sleep, we are feeling things. And from those feelings, that's what we tend to behave from is our feelings. How we're feeling leads to how we behave. And often we can show up in a better way just by understanding what to do with our feelings and not allow our enemy, the adversary, to get us hooked with uh, false thinking and having our feelings grow so that we do behave in ways that we might regret might regret or might not be helpful for us or anybody else so next week the presentation is by uh julie grange so excited uh the stuff that she will share has helped me a ton and i'm so excited for you sisters to hear her presentation i want to thank kelly for being a hero in my life uh, she has been a great example to me of someone who does not give up and someone who continually looks for the light of Christ in a storm. And it has been inspiring to watch. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity I've had in my life to know her for these many years. And I'm grateful that she's a mentor in my children's lives. Um, and that her influence has affected them. Grateful for that. I want you also to know that Kelly has written two books that are in our store at Life Changing Services. Maybe you've seen them before. This is Rebecca's Trick and Alexander's Trick. And these books are, um, she actually wrote these books uh, just through inspiration, it was obvious inspiration, in the middle of the night, she came to our class one week and said, I couldn't go to sleep, or I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote these books, and she read them to it. It was just a poem that she'd written, and it, it rhymed so beautifully and just taught a lesson to children about what we should do with the negative thoughts in our head and where those negative thoughts come from and how just like there's negative thoughts that influence our lives, that 
Heavenly Father has also made it possible for positive thoughts and influences to come to our head. And anyway, she teaches in these books for children what to do with negative thoughts. It's pretty cool. Uh, because one of the one of the truths that she mentioned when we were she was in my class that was a real game changer for her was that not every voice in your head is a trusted voice. So thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much. And how do you get these books? Oh <laughs> they're on the website of Life's Changing Services. But I just wanna thank Karen for that opportunity. I was it was a really um, another way that the spirit was able to witness to me as I was preparing for this, that he is by our sides. He is there and he does want to help us to be the heroes that we're supposed to be, that we were uh, asked to be when we were sitting with our heavenly father before this earth life and we said we would and so i'm grateful for that opportunity to go through and reflect again and thanks again karen thank you kelly all right love you gals see you next week